Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to the Marketplace. Coming up in this edition, government is set to roll out three additional trade centers around the world to support Ghana's non-traditional exports. It is left to us, the trade promotion organizations in the various countries, to operationalize whatever the concept of the EFC, FTA is, and we are doing that. In Ghana, I mean, it can be, the headquarters can be in Ghana, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, I mean, they rule everything at the feet of Ghana. I mean, it's for the whole Africa. So, um, we should rather um, put in more effort. Ghana City expected to remain relatively stable against the U.S. dollar this week as risk of investor sentiment cools off. Plus, panelists of this year's breakfast meeting make a strong case for further expenditure cuts to match current economic conditions. We have details of these and many others coming your way all in a moment. Please stay. Thanks so much for your company. I am Pius Kujo Baka. Now, the Ghana city is expected to remain relatively stable against the U.S. dollar this week as risk of investor sentiments cools off. This is coming after the local currency lost 0.43% to the American greenback last week. More in this report. Demand for U.S. dollar continued to outstrip supply despite a slowing inflation. This caused the city to fall to levels seen in the second quarter of 2023. The central bank provided $20 million in the 36th bi-weekly foreign exchange auction to the bulk oil distribution companies. But this was insufficient to slow down the rising corporate demand. The local currency lost marginally to the U.S. dollar last week. Conversely, it gained 0.17% to the pound but remained stable against the euro. So far this year, the city has lost about 11.6% to the dollar in the retail market and about 22% to the American greenback on the retail market. Government is set to roll out three additional trade centers in targeted markets around the world before the end of this year. The move is part of several measures being managers, uh, by managers of the economy to support growth of the country's non-traditional exports. Ifwa Sabiasari is the chief executive of the Ghana Export Promotion Authority. So welcome to our conversation at the World Trade Organization, where we are engaging participants on the ongoing public forum. We are grateful to have the chief executive of the Ghana Export Promotion Authority. And Doc, I appreciate your time so much. And it's interesting that the topic that you discussed was something that came up highly in, our, in the trade report of the World Trade Organization about trade expansion in Ghana being affected by cost and access to credit. Mm. Are you worried about this development or something that, listen, we are aware and we are working on it? Everybody should be worried about it, especially from where we are coming from. Um, we have been encouraging a lot of um, small businesses to upscale to export. And in upscaling, they need a funding. And if we are having all kinds of conditions and very expensive um, trade financing um, um, outlets, it's not going to, you know, 
it's like we, we build them up to a certain crescendo and then we leave them hanging. They don't know what to do. So it is quite difficult. Mm. And I'm asking that for you at the authorities, do anything that you're doing? Because we've had EDIVE, we've had a lot of institutions in the past, specialized credits, but it appears that we still have a long way to go. What is the authority doing together with the other government agencies to deal with this challenge? I think we um, can only facilitate we talk to the banks, we, we negotiate with them to come up with products that can help the exporters. You have the Ghana um, Enterprises Agency, which has been resourced by government to also support them in one way or the other. The Exim Bank is also supporting. So there are various avenues to look at. It may not be enough, but for now, that is what we can do. And um, we are always looking for how to help um, alleviate some of the hardships they face in sourcing for financing. And you believe that some of these things will go a long way to address the challenge? Um, it will help. Let's come to your non-traditional export. Doing quite well, one would say that what is the next phase in terms of meeting your target and ensuring that Ghanaian products is everywhere around the world? Yes, we are um, looking at uh, pitching our tent in every country that um, in markets, very strategic markets that we think will support the growth of the NTEs. And we've started with Kenya, where we have the, the first Ghana trade house. So this is where we consolidate um, um, the products of um, the exporters, especially those who want to export, but in smaller quantities, we just consolidate everything and put it in the export trade house for onward distribution to the East African bloc. And it's doing quite well. Hopefully, we will be able to expand to other countries. And what country are we looking at in the next Very few years? Soon, by the end of the year. Two, three countries? About two or three. After, there are some who are worried that Ghana has the headquarters Maybe if I'm wrong with the comparison, uh, we might end up having the headquarters and the real benefits that comes along with it might not be realized. In the area of non-traditional exports, mm -hmm. what are we doing differently to ensure that we get the benefits that comes with the headquarters of this uh, trade uh, secretariat? I think the, the whole of Africa will benefit from the EFCFT. It's not being an easy road, but um, it is left to us, the trade promotion organizations in the various countries, to operationalize whatever the concept of the EFCFTA is, and we're doing that. In Ghana, I mean, it can be, the headquarters can be in Ghana, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, I mean, they rule everything at the feet of Ghana. I mean, it's for the whole Africa. So um, we should rather... Um, put in more effort mm -hmm. so that we can hit our chest to say that it, 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 it's been hosted in Ghana and uh, we are closer to it and, and we are taking advantage of it somehow. What kind of advantage are we talking about? I don't know. It's being hosted in Ghana, but we know what um, the essence of it is and we should work hard. What are we doing in the area of branding and packaging? It used to be a big challenge when it comes to these non-traditional experts. I think that you can now see that there's a big improvement in branding and packaging and it's because that um, we, we put in a concerted effort. There was a conscious effort to make sure that branding and packaging, which forms a very integral part of the whole export um, um, trade system, 
that we should make sure that it works. And that's what we're doing at our export school, bringing in experts from around the world who are knowledgeable in packaging and, and branding um, to help our exporters in branding and, you know, and packaging their products with the right material for the right products. And now you can see that we have um, also organizations that are springing up in Ghana in the business of packaging as well, producing very good packaging. So this is snowballing into, you know, um, a big um, industry. And this is helping the SME market. Now, joining me is the director of Africa Coconut Group, Kweku Boateng, on this. And, of course, tell us more about the upcoming International Coconut Festival. Um, Kweku Boateng, thank you so much for joining us in studio here on the marketplace. First off, let me understand why it is important for us to um, appreciate or celebrate International Coconut Day. Well, thank you very much for having me. And then, first of all, a good afternoon to your viewers. You know, coconut has been a sleeping giant for long. Mm. Uh, many a time, people talk about the enormous benefits of coconut, but it only exists in the bush. So the point was, how do we tell the coconut story to the people to know the enormous benefits of coconut, and then for them to understand that it is not just drinking the water mm. and eating the meat. Everything about coconut is money, is job creation, and it is what? Bringing in foreign earnings. Mm -hmm. The only platform was to bring all industry players together to showcase what the industry, Ghanaian coconut industry, is about to the world, mm -hmm. to put Ghana on that level, and to cost it to make deliberate investment into the sector, which will drive exports and rake in more foreign earnings, create jobs, especially for the taming youth and women. All right. So tell me about the economic impact of coconuts here in Ghana. Great. The coconut sector mm -hmm. is made of five value chains. Okay. We have the production stage, which talks about the producers. The producers talks about the nursery operators and the farmers. Mm -hmm. That is job creation. We come to processes. We come to exporters. We come to aggregators and even vendors. Mm -hmm. Currently, 5.4% of the Ghanaian population are engaged in coconut production. Mm. That translates to about 1.8 million people. And this is job creation. When you come to coconut, every aspect of the crop is money. It's a zero-waste crop. But many a time, people just think you just drink the water and eat the meat. Mm. The husk, for example... It's a component in agriculture. You can produce the hats, add value to it to produce the peat, which is a growth medium for greenhouse agriculture. This contains antibacterial properties and also acts like a hydrogel. Anything which is a hydrogel has the ability to retain water and release to the plants, you know, during the drought. And this is job creation. It goes on and on and on. Coconut can be found in every aspect of our industry. The pharmaceutical industry, the um, automobile industry, the fashion industry, food and beverage industry. Mm -hmm. We're talking about climate change and all. One climate resilience crop and one crop which has a long lifespan for carbon sequestration 
is coconut. Mm. Economic uh, benefit is enormous. Currently, when we are talking about economic benefits, let's look at uh, exports, because we're talking about exports. Mm. Ghana currently is now the ninth exporter of desiccated coconut, mm. with an annual export of about $22 million. And this is where we want to go as a nation. The question is, how do we drive this force if we are not able to tell people the coconut story, bring in more investors to the sector, and create the avenue for processing and virtually mm. exports? Quite recently, the World Trade Organization released a report where they mentioned that access to finance is a major challenge hindering our export potentials. Your take on that? Very true, my brother. One major challenge in the sector is finance. Mm. After land acquisition and all that. And I think it is high time there is that deliberate effort to create some medium of financing to support not just the coconut sector, but the agriculture sector. Because the backbone always, they say, of the nation is agriculture. Mm. How then do we become globally competitive if there is no financing? So our neighboring countries are always overtaking us. Ghana's coconut is premium everywhere. But farmers are denied access to finance, which gives them, makes them handicapped when it comes to competing globally. This is just one aspect. It is true that the government and then other state institutions have made some efforts, but I think the industry is bigger than that. And there is the need to showcase more, create more awareness, to drive that interest from our financial institutions so that the, the, the country will benefit wholly from coconut as a cash crop. Great. So what inspired um, the choice of Sekendi Takradi as the host city for this year's festival? Great. Sekendi Takradi, Western region, is the hub of coconuts. When we talk about coconut in Ghana, it migrated actually uh, uh, from the ocean currents to Keta in 1912, where it was planted as an estate crop. Between 1920 to 1914, it had moved to central and western, and it became the major source of livelihood for our people in the western region. So you cannot talk about coconut without talking about Western region. And indeed, the Honorable Minister, who has so much passion for coconut, has stated emphatically that the, the festival be, 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 be held in the Western region with this third event, especially because he had been an ardent lover of coconut whilst he was a child. So we thought of no other better region than the Western region. All right. Thank you very much, Kweku Boateng. He is the director of Africa Coconut, speaking to us on the back of the upcoming event they intend holding. We shall follow up on that and, of course, give you updates as and when it unfolds. Let's shift to, add to Let me add a bit. The, 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 for people who want to patronize the festival, it's from the 26th to the 28th of September okay. 2023 at uh, Akroma Plaza. You can uh, get a booth. If you want, if you contact the uh, numbers I've given you, and then you can come to also showcase what, what, what you, you have to sell to Ghanaians. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Kweku Boatin, for your time.
Now, let's move on to some other stories. And panelists at the Stambik um, breakfast meeting are making a strong case for further expenditure cuts to match the country's current economic situation. They maintain that the current development in the economy does not um, support the country in this crisis. Professor of Economics at the University of Ghana, Professor Japoma Jakedaku, says government must show more commitment. Put so much emphasis on revenue, but I don't think we are doing enough on the expenditure side to be able to get us back to where we expect to be. Um, as Prof. Gachi just said, if you put too much pressure on those who are giving the revenue, then in the end, they are not, you are not going to be realizing the kind of revenue that you want to realize. And we've seen AGI complain several times about the number of taxes that have been imposed on them. Us as um, individuals as well, not just businesses, we've seen the taxes. And it's unfortunate that our economy is predom predominantly um, informal. And so when taxes are imposed, we see the same people um, paying the taxes over and over again. And that puts a huge burden on, on those people who are paying the taxes. Now, in terms of expenditure, I, I think that the government has announced some, um, do I say, some cuts in its expenditure, but I still don't think that those cuts um, are enough. Um, there are things that we could still look at and cut down. There's nothing like um, saying that, you know, this doesn't cost so much. Even in our personal lives, if we see ourselves struggling, the little things that you cut down would come together and be huge for you. So I think that we need to look again at the items that government is spending on and see whether um, there are more things that we could do to bring their deficit down. And Chief Executive of Petrosol, Michael Bunzenbill, says businesses are worried about the current developments in the economy. In moments of crisis, especially take a family setting, the focus is on food for the children. It's on basic needs. If you, are, if you are flying, you're on air. And there's some emergency. Whether you're in business class, you are in economy, that is not when you are requesting for some special, you know, food to be served you because you're in business class or because you're in first class. At that moment, it's about safety. And so the focus is on, please follow the emergency rules. So when we find ourselves in critical moments like this, our desire as private sector operators is that collectively working with the finance ministry and the economic management team will focus on the basics. Because in crisis, you come out of crisis when you focus on the basics. We have done this before. As was alluded to, in the early 80s, when we were in crisis, whilst we were going through this, 
we came up with the PAMS card. And it was intended to address basic needs as we deal with the macroeconomic indicators. Moving on to some other stories, economist Professor Peter Quote has criticized Parliament for relaxing the Fiscal Responsibility Act to allow government spend beyond the 5% of previous year's revenue without any timelines. Speaking on Ghana's public debt management, a development dialogue by the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, Professor Peter Quote said Parliament has failed in checking government spending. The development dialogue focused on the country's debt situation and how the country can overcome the burden leading into an election year, commenting on the losses recorded by the Bank of Ghana and the role played by stakeholders. Professor Peter Corte expressed disappointment over the suspension of the Fiscal Responsibility Act without any time limit. He thinks Parliament can go back to make some amends in their next session. You give timeline that, yes, okay, I'm giving you one year. Come back again. Let's review the situation. COVID is not going to be with us forever. As we speak now, no, none of us is wearing masks. So why should you give somebody a blanket uh, relaxation or blanket check? So that's where, for me, I find that uh, it's wrong. Parliament should have given them less than a year. Then the following year, they ask whether we need to put it back or perhaps a lower rate is put in place. And then they have oversight responsibility over uh, finances. They have the right to haul the finance minister to parliament. They have the right to haul the Bank of Ghana, uh, the governor, to parliament. Mm. Professor Agustin Fosu from the Economics Division of ISE stressed the need for governments to raise more revenue before spending in an election year. All over the place. Spend, spend, spend. And so in the final analysis, what are you going to have? You're going to have a disequilibrium situation where you end up spending much more than you tax, not just cyclically, but also over time. And that is what is responsible for our debt situation. The theme for the dialogue is Ghana's public debt management, facts, impacts, and the way forward. Head of Civil Society um, of Ghana, Dr. Evans Agridako, has reiterated the need for lapses within Ghana's digitization agenda be addressed to support data-driven decisions within the public sector. According to him, Ghana needs a holistic approach in its digitization a drive to ensure effective and efficient public service space. He was speaking at the graduation ceremony of the first DIG Smart Training Program held for directors, managers, and officers of various ministries. Public and private sector players over the years have been urged to cultivate a digital-first culture and develop visionary leaders who are adept at navigating tech policy. The $1.2 million program is to build the digital skills of public sector workers to accelerate digital transformation for service delivery. Dr. Evans agreed that express optimism of how such initiative can aid in bringing efficiency. So the connection is there. So an appreciation of, of the value, the utility of technology for me is critical for the leaders that we have. Because if I said, as, as I said yesterday, if you have a leader who himself or herself is congenital ignoramus, he doesn't see anything good about technology you are introducing. But he sees the technology as a threat to his or her survival at the workplace. It's dangerous. And I'm happy you people are, you know, taking this seriously. So, colleagues, 
a digital mindset is a holistic approach that covers the following key aspects adaptability and I, I saw some of them here continuous learning very important data-driven decisions and I have argued that if you are going to formulate public policies based on guesswork one conclusion is certain implementation nightmares you can guarantee that so we want decisions that are data-driven evidence-based and that for me will be actually be properly you know positioned to address the problems of society communications minister esla Owusu also stressed the need for a collaboration and a deepening of relationship for the private and public sector to drive such a digitization agenda the uptake of a lot of digital tools applications and services particularly in the private sector but we seem to have forgotten that we need a responsive agile civil service to also assist us in the delivery of our mandate so that if you can retrieve documents quicker get information quicker and and analyze the data better it helps in your own decision making but if information is scattered in silos even seeing trends is difficult James Shen filed that report, and that's how we wrap up Marketplace for today. I am Pius Kojobaka. For more stories, do log on to myjoyonline.com forward slash business. Always a joy serving you. Do enjoy the rest of our programs. Bye.